The word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we gather this morning at the start of this new year, that you would help us to see afresh the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory, in all his kindness, in all his majesty, in all his love for us. And we pray that as we see him afresh, you'll give us hearts of love and a desire to follow him more nearly this year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you want to be when you grow up? Asked the mole. I suspect many of you know the response. Kind, said the boy. If you didn't see Charlie uh, Mackey's animation of his book, uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse over Christmas, I highly recommend it. Uh, It has been played several times already uh, to try and help subdue uh, a little person in our house in the evenings. Uh, But it is a beautifully done animation uh, of uh, the thoughts uh, that Charlie writes in this book. And as we start the beginning of a new year, I wonder if I can encourage you in your mind's eye uh, to perhaps take yourself, if you know the animation, to that branch, uh, to sit out alongside the mole looking out, perhaps in excitement, perhaps in anticipation, perhaps uh, in anxiety or fear on what the new year will bring. Uh, And as you sit there, what would you say if the mole turned to you and asked, not what do you want to be when you grow up, but what are your hopes and dreams for this coming year? I wonder how you would respond. What would you say? Well, in John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42, I think we've got a wonderful passage for the start of a new year. And as we look at these verses this morning, as we see again the Lord Jesus... I hope and pray that we'll find our hearts wonderfully warmed by the one who is kindness personified. And that our goal wouldn't be so much as what we can be or what we can do or what we can achieve. I suspect some will have uh, written New Year's resolutions. But I hope that as we look at this passage, that our hearts would grow with a desire to know the Lord Jesus better. To be filled with the wonder and the joy of knowing better the one 
who is kindness personified. The one who really shows us what it means to love and be kind. And we see, we'll see him demonstrating it in his death for us to take away our sin. Uh, demonstrating his love and kindness for us by filling us uh, with his transformational life-giving spirit and demonstrating his love and kindness by welcoming us to draw near and spend time with him. In short, I hope that our time together, brief as it will be, uh, would have us metaphorically turning to the mole and saying, I want to know and love Jesus even more this year. Uh, So turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, In the preceding verses, uh, some of which Paul read out to us uh, at the beginning of the service, John, who writes this gospel, believed to be John the Apostle, has introduced us to John the Baptist. Verse 7, he's the one who comes as a witness to Jesus. Uh, Those who watch football... Uh, will sometimes see goal scorers celebrate by pointing to their name on the back of their shirt, as if to say, look at me, Uh, look how good I am, look how amazing and talented uh, I am. But John doesn't do that. He's always pointing to Jesus. That's why he came, to bear witness to Jesus, to get people ready for Jesus Uh, In chapter 3, he'll go on and say, he must become greater, I must become less. And so as Jesus appears on the scene, it's John the Baptist's great honor and delight to reveal him. Verse 31. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Uh, He's pointing people to Jesus, testifying as to who Jesus is. And in verse 29, he begins by telling us, and this is point one uh, of three, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The kindness of God begins with providing us with a solution to our sin. As Paul mentioned earlier, that curse has plagued our world since Genesis chapter 3. In our next carol uh, that we'll be singing shortly, uh, verse 3, we'll read these words or sing these words. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, our world has suffered long. Our world has been suffering uh, since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And as we've confessed, we ourselves are just like them. And we see that in the way that our relationships aren't as they should be. We gossip, we fight, we slander. We oppress, we turn a blind eye to suffering. 
We seek our own comfort at the expense of others. We abuse, we ignore, we hurt. And even when we are loving and kind, aren't we so often loving and kind at the expense of those closest to us? Our relationships with one another aren't what they should be. And our relationship also with the world isn't what it should be. We plunder it, we exploit it, we polluted it. We use and abuse it for our own advantage. In Romans 8, uh, verse 22, we read that creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, all on account of us and our sin. And then more seriously and more tragically, our sin has affected our relationship with the God who made us and loved us. As Paul said, like Adam and Eve, we've turned from him. We doubt his goodness. We deny his justice. We disobey his loving commands. Indeed, we don't even know his commands these days. We've ripped the crown that belongs on his head and we've placed it on our own. And we now decide what's right and wrong and decide what's good for us. We've turned from God, ignoring him, rejecting him, living in the world as if we owned it and weren't accountable. And though some people are more blatant than others, Romans chapter 3 reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not the people we were made to be. There's dark corners to our hearts. We experience a restlessness, a lack of identity, peace, pers- uh, peace, purpose, and assurance. Like a boat without a sail, or a DIY enthusiast without an instruction booklet, or a walker without a map, we lack the peace, assurance, love, and presence of God that we were made to enjoy as we journey through life. And while we might successfully find alternative substitutes to God, they lack the permanence and assurance that we crave and that only God can provide. But as we've seen already in the service, haven't we? Jesus, the Lamb of God, has come. God's love and kindness have provided us with a rescuer, someone to remove that barrier between us and God, to deal with our sin, our rebellion and our disobedience. Someone who dies the death we deserve, goes to the cross that should have our name on it, so that we might have the life that we long for. In the Old Testament, we read of the tabernacle and the temple where the daily and annual sacrifice of lambs was the means of providing cleansing and forgiveness so that God could dwell amongst his people. The Hebrews reminds us they were never enough. They had to be repeated week after week, year after year, until Jesus, until this moment As John sees Jesus coming towards him and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one 
who out of God's great love and kindness will willingly die to cleanse us from our sin, from our shame, from our guilt, who would deliver us from death, rescue us from wrath, and enable us to experience the peace, the purpose, the assurance of God's permanent presence with us now and forever. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. What a wonderful proclamation. What a wonderful verse to take into the year. A staggering demonstration of God's kindness. In Charles Wesley's hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, he writes these words. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. But God's kindness to us in Jesus isn't just demonstrated in the fact that he takes away our sin. We also see it demonstrated, if we turn over the page, in verse 33. John says, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, John Stott, who was uh, known worldwide as a preacher, evangelist, author, and theologian, once said these words, We must never conceive of salvation in purely negative terms, as if it consisted only in a rescue from guilt, sin, wrath, and death. Thank God that it is all of those things. But it also includes the positive blessing of the Holy Spirit to regenerate, to indwell, to liberate, and transform. The amazing kindness of God is not just that God takes away and deals with our sin. It also fills us with his Holy Spirit. He comes to live in us, giving us the peace we crave, giving us the guidance, the power, the comfort, the assurance we long for. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we can relate to God as our loving Heavenly Father. In Romans 8 again, verse 16, we read, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He's the one who reminds us that we are loved by the God of the universe, the God who made everything. He's the one who encourages us and reminds us that the way to God is open. That God is the one who forgives and welcomes us. And then in verse 26 of Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness giving us not just the desire, but the power to start to live the life we yearn for, but simply can't achieve 
by our own efforts and strength. He's the one who helps us draw near to God in prayer. He's the one who pricks our consciences, helps us fight against sinful habits and actions that previously we've deadened ourselves to. He's the one who gives us a heart for others and the ability to love the unlovely. Uh, In chapter 14 of John's Gospel, uh, Jesus will go on and say more about how the Holy Spirit helps us, leads us in truth, and comforts us. In giving us the Holy Spirit, Jesus provides us with what we need, the assurance, the strength, the help, the peace, to live the lives that God made us to live. In baptizing In baptizing us with the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us a wonderful and generous gift that is just what each one of us needs as we head into a new year. Now, I know that different Christian denominations have different views on what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke 11, Jesus, as he speaks to his disciples about prayer, goes on to say, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? D.L. Moody, the famous American evangelist, was once asked why he urged Christians to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. In response, he said, Well, I need a continual infilling because I leak. Can you relate to that? I can. Why not make 2023 the year that we daily ask the Lord Jesus to fill us afresh with his Spirit, that we might see the Lord Jesus more clearly? that we might love him more dearly, that we might follow him more nearly, because it is the Holy Spirit who helps us do all of those things. That the Holy Spirit would give us a wonderful assurance of being beloved sons and daughters of the living God, that he would help us in our weakness, fighting sin, persevering in love, being courageous in witnessing, And that he would lead us in truth and give us his peace, comfort, those things that pass understanding. John reminds us that Jesus is the loving lamb who willingly died for our sins. But he's also the generous giver, willing to fill us with his life-giving, powerful Holy Spirit. That we might be agents of transformation and liberation in our world. There's no guarantee that this year won't bring struggles or difficulties. And whether life is joyous or tough, we're reminded, aren't we, with our Christmas readings that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. How does he do that? Well, he baptizes us with his Spirit that we might press on and persevere, that we might know peace and comfort beyond our understanding, that we might know unconditional love 
and faithfulness. Don't get me wrong, we're going to get it wrong, we're going to make mistakes. But the Lamb has once and for all dealt with our sin. And he gives us his spirit that we might serve and follow him. And thirdly, as we see with Andrew and it's believed John, the writer of the gospel, Jesus is the one who welcomes us to draw near and spend time with him. Notice how Jesus responds to Andrew and the other disciple uh, in verse 39. Uh, They take John the Baptist's cue. Uh, They leave John. They follow Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Come. He replied, and you will see. Come, come and see where I'm staying. Come and be with me. Uh, Come and walk with me. Come and sit with me. Come and stay with me. They go with him. They enjoy his company for the day. And not just for the day, for the rest of their lives. And as we head into 2023, Jesus offers each one of us that same welcome and invitation. Come. Come and see. Are we ready to follow him this year? Are we wanting to spend time with him on our own? With our families? In fellowship with others like we are this morning? Through our Sunday services? or weekly prayer meetings, or being part of a small group, as Paul was speaking about earlier, or a prayer triplet. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to ask Jesus what his hopes and dreams are for this coming year. And you know, I suspect spending more time with each of us would be high up there on his list. Jesus is never too tired or busy to turn people away. He always welcomes those who come to him, who want to learn from him, who want to stay with him, who want to find rest in him. Uh, James reminded us at the carol service, didn't he? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Jesus says in Matthew 11. And so as we close, as we look ahead to what 2023 will bring, I wonder if we'll make it our ambition to be like Andrew in this passage. To be those who come to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, the Spirit-filled one who baptizes us with that same transforming Spirit and the welcoming one who invites us to come and spend time with him. And in doing those things, may we also be like Andrew in verse 42. What's the first thing Andrew does when he meets Jesus? Goes and finds his brother so that he might meet him too. He delights to bring others to Jesus. There's no greater kindness than helping other people 
meet the Lord Jesus. Why don't we bow our heads for a prayer together? Heavenly Father, whatever we made of last year, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your kindness, your guidance, your comfort, your peace. And as we embark on a new year, with all the excitement, the joy, or the anticipation and the anxiety that might lie ahead, please would you help each one of us to be those who see the Lord Jesus more clearly, who love him more dearly, and who follow him more nearly each day that you give us. May we glory in the kindness of sins forgiven through his death. May we be filled afresh each day with your transforming, comforting Holy Spirit. And may it be our delight and our joy to spend time each day and each week in your welcoming presence. And Lord, please, would you graciously help us to lead others to you that they might experience your love and kindness this year. Loving Father, we ask these things for the glory of your Son, our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.